gratitude in an age of outrage. How many of you think that outrage is growing, not shrinking in our culture today? Anyone on me, with me? Somebody, how many think outrage is going away? It's just going away. It's, it's, it's almost extinct. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to talk too much about the age of outrage. I think most people are, would be convinced that there's a lot of things that are sort of calling to us to get mad about this, be angry about that. Um, if you happen to be on Facebook or, or you follow people on Twitter or something like that, you, you're going to, social media is full of invitations to be angry, right? Um, I, 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 I was just playing this out in my head. I just thought of, you know, a pregnant woman just rubbing her belly and she turns towards her husband and she says, honey, if it's twins, let's call them Donald and Hillary. You know, lately, those two names have taken a nosedive in, you know, their stock prices have gone way down, to be honest. I don't think they've become popular names. Why? Because every, every single day, there's some sort of article or there's some sort of uh, news thing about, can you believe what they said? Can you believe what they did? And, and inviting you to be mad. In fact, it's funny, even though we're Canadians, we're so caught up in what's happening across the border, it sometimes, uh, it's, it amazes me how much this has become election of not voting for someone, but voting against someone. In both ways. Right? The age of outrage. Um, it's interesting how quickly we can be pulled into getting angry. And how quickly we can get grabbed by negative thoughts. Um, I I'll be scrolling down my Facebook feed and I'll be like, election, election, grumpy cat, election. <laughs> I'll be like, seriously, where are the fun stories? Where are the good, you know, where's the, th where's the funny video I can laugh at? It's just like, it's like, uh, this is changing. This is, and it's not just changing what's happening there, but it changes us as well. Um, people who study brain chemistry and how brains work, and what happens in your brain will say that as um, they have a little saying, I think it basically goes like this neurons, which are little brain pathways, neurons fired are neurons wired. I'll say it again neurons fired are neurons wired. And what they're saying is that when you have a thought pattern or a thought process, and in this case, let's talk about negativity, okay, so you have a negative thought go through your brain, there's several neuron pathways that are utilized in, in getting that thought to happen. Now, if you're using that same pathway again and again and again, it actually strengthens those patterns. So if you're thinking about negative thoughts again and again and again, you're creating the propensity or the higher likelihood of, for you to have more future negative thoughts. Neurons, as they fire in unison, in a pattern, become wired for that pattern. Now, the good news about that is neurons don't have to always be fired with negativity. They can be fired with positivity. They can be fired with good things, right? So you're not totally at loss. And that's why it's so important for us to practice gratitude in an age of outrage. I want you to imagine yourself surrounded by anger, surrounded by fear, anxiety, and in the middle of that, you have peace. Somehow, the outside forces that swirl around you don't get into you, and you're calm. The stress that everyone else is feeling isn't vibing into you, you're relaxed. Well, the scripture we're looking at today is actually describing that, describing that. And it, it, again, we're going backwards through the scripture, which is a funny way to do it, but we'll go forward at the very end. But listen, to, listen to some of the advice that's in this, uh, in this part. It says, finally, brothers, this is verse 8. So we, in verse 9, we learned 
put it, we're going to put all the stuff into practice. But in eight, let's find out some of the stuff we're putting into practice. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. What do you think about with the majority of your thinking? How much does it trend towards pure and noble and things of good report, excellent and praiseworthy and beautiful? And how much does it veer the other way? It's a big key on having peace. You want to be that peaceful person in the middle of a swirling storm of outrage? What you think about is absolutely key. What you think about is really, you know, they did some research with, uh, I say they, scientists, obviously. They did research with a, a group of people. They, they took them on, they did online exercises, and the online exercises required them to spend five to ten minutes every day explaining three things that had gone really well that day. And they did this over a course of three weeks. So for three weeks, five to ten minutes a day of saying three things that went really well that day. At the end of three weeks, they took all these participants and they measured their stress levels. And they had dropped hugely. Massive drop in their stress levels. All they'd asked them to do was take five to ten minutes a day and think about three things that had gone well that day. Again, wiring those neurons to go into a into, a, into a, a position of, of thankfulness and gratitude. This is what they noticed about some of these people. They noticed that afterwards they were happier at home. They were more creative. And they had better sleep. Anyone like those three symptoms in your life? Happier at home, more creative, better sleep. All it was was five to ten minutes a day saying, what are three things that went well today? What are three things that went out well today? Just a simple exercise that they did but it made such a big difference. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise to us as Christians. We read in, like, the book of Psalms, which is all these songs about God. It tells to enter God's presence with thanksgiving and praise. In fact, Psalm 103, one of, Will, one of my favorites for this last few weeks, I've been just meditating on it. Actually, Laura, our prayer leader, got our whole staff to go through it. It was really good. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it goes on to list all these different benefits of God. Someone, if you want to do that for homework, that's a great one. Psalm 103, a just really encouraging psalm. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. That's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of practice that is going to de-stress you, going to help you sleep. It's going to take away anxiety. Um, and you'll be more creative as well. You know, again, did a lot of looking into stuff for, from scientists on this one. Um, they, you heard that, ever hear that term, flip your lid? Flip your lid. Like, I just flipped his lid, right? What they're, some people, some scientists, they say, it almost is that the brain actually does flip its lid when you're overwhelmed. So if you look at the brain, I'm going to just use my hand like it's a brain, you know, sort of a small brain, probably like my size. Anyhow, so here's this brain. And says what happens is you get overwhelmed and, and anxiety, and it's, all, it's this upper part of the brain, this, this lobe of the brain, up here, that that's really gets affected, and then you get to this point of being overwhelmed, and it's just like, boing! Now, literally, your brain doesn't move, but it's just like all that place where, you, where creativity comes from, where decision-making comes from, it's suddenly, it's just flooded. And they say, guys, flipped his lid. Can't make good decisions, totally anxiety-ridden, can't sleep, just boing! So how do you get the brain to unflip? Well, as we're learning this morning, gratitude is a huge part of that. Gratitude is a massive part. If you can focus on what, what's, what good things, like again, like Scripture say, good, pure, lovely, beautiful, all these things, you think it'll bring things back down for you. So let's do an exercise. I've never done this before. I'm really excited about it. Okay? So we're just going to be quiet together. And what I want you to do is we're going to focus on something very simple that's positive. Super simple that's positive, but it's very specific. I want you to think about a memory that you have when you were out in nature and it was especially um, 
significant for you, especially moving, positive. It's got to be positive, okay? A positive experience you had in nature. We're going to just be quiet. You can close your eyes if you want, if that helps you focus better, and then I'll tell you when we're done. Okay, so I want you to think back and just go back to that memory of a really positive experience you had in nature. Right. How many of you were able to think of a memory? of your, You had a positive experience in nature and a memory came to you. Wait, okay, thank you, great. Maybe not everybody, okay. Those of you who were able to think of a memory that you had that was positive in nature, how did it make you feel to think about it? Call it out if you... Positive, relaxed, peaceful. Bless the Lord of my soul. <laughs> Happy. A child again? Amazed? Relaxed? Sleepy? <laughs> Not too sleepy, I hope. What's that? Blessed? Sorry? Carefree? Safe and loved? Confident? Did I hear confident? Contemplative? Sorry? Awe. 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 Sorry, that deep bass threw me off. Awe. I was like, wow, that's serious awe. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. So you did, all you did was think about something positive, some ex memory that you had in nature, and hopefully everybody, you know, again, for some people, you didn't have time. It would have took you a little longer to get that process. I didn't give you much time. But you thought about that. It was positive, And you thought about some things that you enjoyed. Okay, so this is, this is part of what the verse is talking about. Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Okay, we just, we just picked, I just cherry-picked one, a, a nature memory. Okay? You know, I heard a guy this week, he talked about, he went to a marriage retreat with his wife and he's at this marriage retreat which is you know all about sort of enhancing your marriage and making things good and uh, so he goes to this marriage retreat and the instructor tells him he says we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to do an exercise together and we're going to say three things that we really like about our spouse the problem for him was just before this announcement him and his wife had been chatting at the back of the room and they got into a bit of a fight. How many of you, if you're married, you know that that can happen, that can spring up at any moment. <laughs> the most awkward moments, right? And this was the most awkward moment for him because he was like, oh no, I have to come back into this room and say three things I like about my wife. And I don't like my wife right now. In fact, I would rather say three things I like about any other person in the room but my wife. Because I'm mad. She probably felt the same way. Anyhow, he got to tell the story, so he told the story. So he's scrambling. Now this is, this is, I'll tell you quickly, this is a pastor friend who I know who's highly trained in these things that we're talking about this morning. 
And he's struggling with this. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't look my wife in the eye seriously and come back with three things I like about her because I just am so mad. I just can't do it. And so he's thinking, what, what did I learn in my training? Was there anything that I teach other people that I could apply in this moment? Pastors say that a lot to themselves. Anyhow, and he said, it came to me. I was going to, I had to think of some grateful memory I had of my wife. And so he, he stopped, took some time. I don't know whether he was in the washroom or in the break room or wherever. And he stopped and he just said, okay, i got to think of something that was positive that I've had in you know, interaction. And what came to his mind was when they first got the re- to the retreat, they booked into their hotel room. And the first five, ten minutes they were there, they had nothing to do. So they just had a nice, lovely little conversation just chatting in the hotel room. And the more he thought about it, the more he thought about it. It just sort of seemed like things thought. And he went, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really married to a great person. I, I really, yeah, and it all. So he came back into the session and he was ready to go. Gratitude uh, is incredible. It actually has the ability to totally flip the switch. Um, anyone read the book um, Love and Respect by Egrich? Is the last, any, a few of you read it or watched the videos? Or anyone aware that you could buy it somewhere? Wow. Okay. Uh, So the book is great. Really good book. Here's the concept. Women uh, feel most alive when they're loved. Men feel most alive when they're respected, actually. They have differing needs in this way. And that often when you're in conflict in a marriage, the woman will report it as she's saying to her friends or her posse, she'll say, I just don't feel loved. And he will say, I I just don't feel respected. He might say it in different terms, but basically that's the essence. And that couples get on this crazy bad cycle where she doesn't feel loved and so she doesn't show respect and he doesn't feel respected so he doesn't show love. It's a terrible cycle. It's amazing. You know, that kind of cycle, you just want to stick a stick in it. You want to stop it. And one of the ways you can stick a stick in that really negative cycle and get it back turning the other way so that he shows love, she shows respect, he shows love, and it gets going the right way is gratitude. Is gratitude. But often someone's got to take that initiative. They've got to think back, go, okay, why did I marry this person in the first place? <laughs> what do I, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the one line he has in his book that I have said to myself again and again and again, not because our marriage is in trouble, just mentioning that, because it's such a helpful line. I have said to myself, when I get funky in my head, I say, I married a good-willed woman. She has good will towards me. She wants good for me. Some days we don't know how to figure that out, But that is a bedrock truth that I know about my relationship with my wife. I married a good-willed woman, and she wants good for me. And it isn't long after I contemplate that before I get to, man, I'm lucky to be married to her. And, oh, my goodness, I, like, married way above myself. And, oh, and then I see what everyone else sees, that, oh, how did Steve marry Marnie? Right? Eventually I get there. But i got to stick a stick in the spoke through gratitude and start with something that allows me to start to process going in that direction. All right, let's go back to our scripture here. Okay, that's thinking about good things. Let's go back a verse, a couple verses before. We'll start at verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I like the very end of it. It talks about peace of God is like a protection. It guards your heart and your mind. The peace of God does, right? In Christ Jesus. But how do it, before that, it's got some real straightforward instructions. Don't be anxious about anything. That seems easier said than done, doesn't it? But let's go on. It's got some help. But in every situation by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So, mostly when I've read that, like personally, privately, or read it even publicly, because it's sort of a longer sentence, I almost skip over the with thanksgiving part, to be honest. Right? Do not be anxious about anything, but every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
But the with thanksgiving part I found is actually really important. So now, that's not to say that if you pray about things that are causing you anxiety in your life, you won't experience God bringing peace into your life. You, you, you can still do that. But the with thanksgiving part is like so, it's a magnifier of the effect. It's so powerful. In fact, this week, uh, I have anxiety every week. Anyone else? Sometimes they're little anxieties. You can almost swat them away like mosquitoes. Other times they're bigger. When my anxieties come, I try to, I try to operate in this. Okay, I don't want to just be anxious. That's just sort of, you know, really... It's just wallowing in doubt, to be honest, but I want to walk in confidence, so I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to get connected with my father, my spiritual father. He cares about me. He loves me. He wants good for me. Uh, he knows the way I'm made, and uh, he has compassion for me. I'm going to talk to him. So I pray. And no, I didn't just, don't just pray. I petition as well. Petition means ask so I pray, I say, God, you know how I'm doing, you know I'm struggling, you know it's tough. And, and because you know that and because you love me, uh, that's huge. That's great. I'm not alone in this. That's huge. Prayer is great. Petition is going a little further in your prayer and saying, God, would you, would you intervene in this circumstance? I don't know what you're going to do, whether you're going to change the circumstance or change me, but somehow would you change something? I really need your help. But then the with thanksgiving part kicks in. And this is one I haven't practiced as much, but I'm starting to really appreciate the power of this. It's, it's to, it's to, I've, I've talked to God, I've related with him. Because he's a loving heavenly father, um, that's huge. I've asked him for the, the things I need in my life, and then I start getting thankful. So saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let me give you a couple of verses that will tell you a little bit about this. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you to give thanks in all circumstances. No matter how terrible. Give thanks in all circumstances. I think of Paul and Silas. If you were reading through the book of Acts in the last number of weeks, you would have come upon that story where they've been beaten and thrown in prison and began to sing and worship God in this jail cell. When I, I didn't catch the beaten part when I was a kid. Um, I just thought, oh yeah, they're just, you know, because I read little kid books, versions of it, they just were happy guys in prison. But prison's not so bad. <laughs> I think Roman prisons were so bad. But they began to praise God, to thank him in all circumstances, even being imprisoned with the, the potential of being killed as well, right? So give thanks in all circumstances. And so that's the first thing I said, okay, God, in these circumstances, I'm going to thank you because you're good and you work in all circumstances. So I just, I'm, I, I'm just thankful to you. Thanks for all the good things you brought in my life. And so the first way I went at it was I started to thank him for all the good things in my life. People call it count your blessings, right? So I, I said, thank you for my family that I grew up in. Thank you for the family that I have, my little family with my wife and three boys. And, and thank you for the church I go to and, and, and the loving family that is. And, and thank you for, for, for the different things you've provided for me in my past. And thank you for our home. And I just started thanking God for all the good things in my life. And that was good. That was good. But let me take it to another level, Okay. Ephesians 5, 15 and 20. This is going to talk about bad and then good. Listen to it. But be very careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ooh, okay? And it goes down farther and farther, and then it says this. It says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the operative word that really stuck out to me as I was reading this is always give thanks to the God the Father, not in everything, but for everything. Now that was this big step of faith for me. Because it was easy to thank God for my blessings, my family, and my, you know, the good things in my life, but to actually thank God for everything. So I was like, Seriously? God, you want me to thank you for these circumstances? This situation? This broken relationship? 
This person, it seems like they're out to get me. These numbers on my balance sheet. What? That was a big faith jump. Okay, God. I'm going to try this out. Lord, thank you for, for this thing that's been allowed to come into my life. I don't like it. I would never choose it. I don't want it. My petition is for you to remove it. But thank you for it. Now, how can you even do that? How can you do that? Let me give you another scripture. That, I'll give you two scriptures that are very helpful when you come to this big faith jump of thanking God for even the negative things in your life. Listen to this. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, remember, you notice how these verses are all inclusive? In every circumstance, in every uh, situation, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So when I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for this circumstance, which I hate... <laughs> One of the becauses I can add to the end is because you work all things together for good. For those who love you. I love you. For those who have been called according to his purpose. I've, I responded to the call. You've made it really clear that you have a, placed a call on my life to follow you as just a simple disciple. To let you lead me and teach me and, and, and guide my life and to be in charge of my life. you made that really clear. So I, this is about me. A person who loves you and is following you and follows imperfectly and loves imperfectly but still... This is for me, that you are working for the good of those who love. And the, and the biggest good that God wants to bring into our lives is he wants to make us like himself. He wants to make us like Jesus. So that becomes my prayer. God, thank you for this circumstance which seems just only negative. But you have a bigger, in all of these things that seem like they're meant for evil, you work out good. And you're wanting to work out specific good in my life. Through this, when I go back through my life, and I've, I've sort of kept the journal on and off through my life. I'm, I'm not real good at it, but I've, I've tried to do that. I can look back and read in old journals. I pull them open, and I read in there, and it's like, God, remove this situation from my life. And the situations I prayed that God would remove, God didn't remove. But, because I kept writing and kept learning Years later, I go, oh, thank you, Lord, you didn't remove it. Thank you, you didn't remove it. You worked out incredible good through something that looked like it could only be evil. And now the blessing in my life because of that is, is way more than the, the difficulty that that, once, that that was. Thank you, Lord, that when I beg for you to remove that from my life, as a good father, you know it was better for your kid than I knew. And you said no. I mean, I've had tons of experiences where God has removed negative things, where God had changed the game. He's changed my circumstances. But I've had other ones where he didn't change my circumstances because he's a good, good father and he knows what I need to go through in order to experience so much better. So I say in faith, God, thank you for this negative thing because you're working behind the scenes where I can't see. Your paths are beyond me tracing out. I can't know exactly what your plan is, but I trust your character. God is working for the good of those who love him. You're working for my good. I trust you in that. And so I, cannot just th I don't just thank you in all things. I thank you for all things. And here's another one. This has got to be the kicker of why we can just thank God so profusely. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The gist of this is that if God gave us the best that he could possibly give, if God the Father sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die for us in our place, to take our sin and shame upon himself and to give us in exchange a righteous standing before God and access to God. We can boldly go before the throne of grace because of what Jesus has done. If he did that, which is so hugely above anything else he could do for us, how will he not also give us all things? 
If God is that good, that's what the writer of Romans is saying, if God is that good, then why do we even doubt that he's working behind the scenes for our good in other areas? If he made it so clear that he's for us, why do we wonder about what he's up to? Instead, thank him in all circumstances and for all circumstances. Let's keep looking at our scripture here. So with prayer and petition, with th- or by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, again, in every situation, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Let's back up one more verse. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, here's where, here's where a lot of what I've said this morning, you could have heard from Dr. Phil. Right? Yeah, the brain goes and flips, it comes back, neurons fire in the wire, and, and you know, think about positive things. And, you know, lots of psychologists who aren't believers in God would say a lot of this stuff. That's well, true, right? I, I think all truth is God's truth, so I don't, I don't mind saying it too. I think everyone should be saying this stuff. But what's the difference for Christians? What's the unique difference for people who've come to uh, sense the call of God on their lives and come to follow this Jesus? Is there an extra part of it for us? And there, there definitely is. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. See, there's, um, again, I'll reference Psalm 103. By the way, if you come to the prayer summit tonight, tonight's our prayer summit. If you come to the prayer summit, we're going to go a little more in depth with Psalm 103. It's awesome. It's just absolutely awesome. Laura took us through this as a staff, and it just was, you know, blessing us so much. Uh, we're going to go through that a little bit tonight. Um, encourage you to come out, 6 o'clock, prayer summit, 6 to 7.30. And uh, there's always treats afterwards to hang out, and it's good. But Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord. Okay, so praise God, etc. And forget not all his benefits. So you've got two things here. You've got how your brain focuses on what God's done, all his benefits, and how your brain and your heart focuses on who's done it and who he is. There's a, there's a phrase that's flipped at the beginning and ending of this passage we've been looking at. Okay? See if you can spot it. I'll, I'll point it out at the beginning. Okay? Um, see where we can. Okay, verse 7 says, And the peace of God. Now, can you find that somewhere in the passage where it's the opposite? Just at, near the end. What does it say? I said, Peace of God. What do you say? God of peace. Interesting thing here. For a while, here it's talking about you pray, you thank God, you express gratitude to Him, you praise Him, those things, and the peace of God comes. And you're like, oh, awesome, I really want the peace of God. But as you get to the end, it says, when you put these things into practice, the God of peace will be with you. Again, there's God and there's His benefits. The peace of God is a benefit, but the God of peace is what you really want. A lot of people get this mistaken. You know, like grandpa's got a coin in his hand and he says to the grandkid, see if you can pry open my hand and then you can have the loony. And so he pries open the fingers, one finger, 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 gets all of them, it gets the loony. And he runs to the corner store and spends it. It's like, that's awesome. Because a loony you didn't have before is really awesome. And what you can get at the corner store is pretty awesome when you're a kid. You sort of wean yourself off that as you go down the years. But the real prize in the room is the fact you have a grandpa. And when you're young and immature, you don't catch that. But as you get older, any of you who've lost your grandparents, you realize it was never the coin that was the treasure. It was the interaction with the man or the woman that was the treasure. And that's how it is, is when we start out with God, we say, man, I would love to have peace to replace my anxiety. 
God can give me that? Oh, man, I want in. But as we progress in our maturity and relationship with God, we start catching on that the gift of his hand is awesome, but it's not the gift of his hand that is most awesome. It's him. It's the loving relationship that we can have with not with the God of peace, with God himself. See, the end result of all the teaching about uh, God and all this stuff is not that we get his benefits. We're not supposed to forget them. That's Psalm 103. Don't forget not all his benefits. But the end result is that we actually get relationship with God. That's the real treasure. Yes, it's a wonderful relationship. Yes, there are incredible benefits. That's not even the goal. The goal is to have relationship, eternal relationship with God, a loving uh, relationship with the one who created you and created me. And there's a danger for us if we miss this. Let me read to you out of Romans 1, 18 to 21. So this is a warning part, but it's, it's a danger, okay? It's a danger of not thanking God, of not recognizing God, okay? Of taking, of seeing what he gives and stopping there. Romans chapter 1, 18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now listen to this part. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Okay? Just read that last line again. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Okay? A little while ago, I got you to do an exercise when I said, think of a, uh, a memory from nature. What God has made. I didn't say what God had made at that point, because I'd be letting the cat out of the bag, right? But you thought about nature, and it was wonderful. But that's not where you're supposed to stop. That's not where it's supposed to end. This is what it says. It says, and again, this is bad news, but it will lead us to good news this morning. It says, for although they knew God or saw the evidence of God by what was made, they looked at creation, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. See, ungratefulness is one of these beginning sins at the very core of our rebellion towards God. And then there's the results. It says their thinking became, because of that, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we talked about how your brain can flip its lid and we talked about how negative neuron patterns can be formed and that's all true. But the scripture adds to that. It says that if we are not thankful to God for what he has made, our hearts will become darkened and our thinking will become futile. Futile means it just leads to nothing. It leads to bad results. And it's all because they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So I'm going to lead you through that exercise again. But we're going to add to it. We're going to add to the exercise. So some of you, you're going to go back to the same memory. You're going to say, oh, yeah. I'm going to go back to that same spot in nature. That same refreshing, awesome place. And this is what I want you to add to that memory. Where is Jesus in this memory? And what do you sense about God being with you in this memory? One of the names of God is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. It's a truth about our existence. God is everywhere. God is with us. Now, he's with you. Your relationship changes when you come to follow him, right? It changes because you're saying yes to all that he's offered, right? The righteousness that you receive because of Christ's death on the cross becomes yours. Your sin and shame uh, be, go upon Christ, they, and they're forgiven, that exchange, that holy exchange, that amazing trade-off happens. 
So we're going to go back to our memory, nature memory. Maybe for some of you who didn't get a nature memory the first time around, maybe something will come to your mind this time. But this is the question I want you to ask. What do you sense about God being with you in that memory? And is there anything he wants you to know? Let's take some time. Where is Jesus in this memory? What do you sense about God during this memory? And is there anything God wants you to know? Let's take some time. I mean, you got some sort of picture of where God was in your memory. Just curious. Okay, this is probably an exercise you've never done before. I'm quite confident that this would be a rare <laughs> experience. Okay? How many had a sense of what God might be saying? Might be. Let's just not be dogmatic about it that we know for sure. But let's say you might, it might be what God might be saying to you through this. Some of you. Okay. That's great. When I first did this exercise for myself, God took me back to um, a little mountain climbing experience I had uh, by myself. I was on vacation with my family in the Las Vegas area, and there's lots of canyons around there. And there was one particular climb that I had heard was recommended, sort of like an easy climb for people without gear or experience, and so I did that. I climbed up to this great setting where you could sort of see several mountains around, and there was a a mostly dried up waterfall that was nearby, but it was still trickling a little bit. And, uh, and I just sat there. And I'd, I'd been, uh, I love my family, but I'd been about, uh, at that point, a week in the car or in the same hotel room. And uh, this was hugely a healthy thing for me. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't, there was no problem there. There was no upset or anything, but it just was, Oh, this is a nice balance to being with people all the time. And when I had that experience, it was just refreshing and wonderful. And uh, and I asked God, I said, God, show me. You know what he showed me? He just showed me that as I sat sort of with my back to the rock wall that I was up against and looked at the other mountains I could see from my vista and the little dripping waterfall to this side, that God was just with me. Right? Imagining, in my mind, imagining that Jesus just sitting with me and that he was the God of the mountains, greater than the mountains, greater than everything I could see, and yet he came near. And that his presence was, you know, like some people, they get nervous and they just have to be talking the whole time. That God was the exact opposite, that he, there was no nervousness in him. That God could sit there way longer than I could sit there in silence. And then he's comfortable. There was this comfort there that in, our, in our relationship just to be together. You know when you get with an old friend and you don't need to say anything, it's okay. 
totally felt like that. But to the nth degree. I can stay on, I just felt like I can stay here forever. And he's not impatient. And he does not need to rush on to the next thing. And he doesn't, he's not going to check out after a couple minutes and say, hey, Steve, I've got lots more to attend to. But no, he... peace of God comes with the God of peace. And we enter into his presence by thanksgiving, by praise, and we experience all that he has to offer in that loving relationship with us. Today we're going to do one last final practice together, and that's the practice of communion. I know I was a kid who grew up in the church and I knew every week that I'd try to, I listened to what my pastor would say. He said, this is a thoughtful thing and this is a point where you want to fix your attention on Jesus. As a, as a young child, that was hard because sometimes I'd be hungry and I'd be thinking about the cracker and the juice. So I would always try to honor Jesus by thinking about him and his death on the cross and to make it real. Um, this morning, no different. No different. That loving father that sent his son is calling us into relationship with him. For some of you, maybe you've never said yes initially. Maybe there's, no, there's been no yes in your heart towards God. That's still sort of something to be decided or or maybe even right now, you just, you're right on the tiptoe edge of it. For you to just say, I sense you're calling me into this relationship. I know, I'm realizing I, I need your forgiveness and I need your leadership. And you, you can admit your mixed motivations, that's okay with God. Say, God, I, I, I really would like your peace. <laughs> But can you lead me into what it means to have a relationship with the God of peace? So maybe you're there today. Maybe you're just right on that tiptoe edge. Others of you, maybe you made that decision a long time ago, but you just realize the pace of life, a world that sometimes goes mad around you, has sort of robbed that peace from you. And you need it restored. You need that restored in your life. You need not just the peace of God restored, but you need a, a sort of a restoration of your connection with, with your Father, the one who, who brings peace as part of the package. So I'm going to just pray with you, okay? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, you know where each one of us are, and you call all of us. You call all of us. Some who are already followers of you, you're saying, hey, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I want to come in and, and eat with you and be with you and spend time with you. And you know the way that we've been run from this to that to the other thing and we haven't heard that call, haven't responded to that call, even if it's nagged in the back of our mind, we just haven't had time, haven't made place for that call. And I thank you, Lord, that that call has not been silenced in our lives, but you still come, initiating relationship with us, and now our hearts say yes. If that's where you're at this morning, I just you don't have to say it audibly, but just say yes to God. If he's calling you into relationship, he's calling you into that intimate time with him. Lord, I recognize there'll be others in the room. They have never, they've never said that initial yes to you. They've never said um, that they want 
to start on that path of following you. Lord, I pray that uh, you would, again, show them who you are in this process. Show them that you can be trusted and that as they follow you, you'll unfold the rest. They, they just simply need to walk in faith, take a, a step today and say yes. Thank you, Lord, that no sin, no selfish act that's in their past, no pattern that they can't win over in their, in their present can, is, is able to keep them from you. I thank you that you meet us exactly where we're at and you love us there and then you give us the strength to start seeing our lives transformed. And so, Lord, we just ask that uh, you would give courage to everyone who's right on that tiptoe edge of saying yes, that they would be able to say yes and trust you uh, with what's on the other side of that line. If you're in that situation this morning, I just want to give you a few more minutes of attention because I really think it's really absolutely important. Here, I'm just going to pray a prayer that you could pray inside your own heart. It's not about the prayer. It really is about you and God and just the realness of your uh, response to him. So don't worry about the words, but it might help you to frame some of your own thoughts towards God. Lord Jesus... I need you. When I make my life all about myself, it doesn't go well. I need you to lead and guide me. I need you to forgive me for living, for going my own way and and not going your way. And thank you for coming and dying and, and rising again. Thank you for taking my sin upon you so that I could have your righteousness. Now help me follow. Help me take the first few steps. Thank you that you invite me to follow you and that you invite me to be your son or your daughter. And I invite you to teach me what it means to have relationship with you. I say yes to you.